PBE Daily Early Morning Sunday Night Podcast with Point Blank Evobi. Thank you so much for taking the time to come kick it with your boy. Listen to yet another episode of the mind journey that has been taking place. And this one, I apologize, I may come off a bit harsh because it's one of those topics that it hits me in the core and it's the one thing I fight most aggressively than anything else. And it's tied into something that you'd hope would be completely unrelated, but it's the one thing where I always see it and I feel it needs addressing. But first things first, artwork taking place and everything's moving great. Another plus, uh, earlier this year, which was basically the very first week of January, I went and uh, reapplied for a passport and I've gotten the text today that the passport is ready. A good 10 days have passed and Ooh, I'm going to be able to do the traveling that I've been t- telling myself I'm going to have to. So I'm hoping to take the time early enough before I get to the office to go pick the thing up and then start asking my friends across the globe what visas do I need <laughs> to know what to do. But I have this weird idea in my head. I think I'd be the weirdo who flies out on a Friday night, goes to a certain part of the world, then flies back on Sunday, on Friday evening or on Saturday evening or Sunday morning to get back. I'll just be like backpacking across Europe, like turn the tables on, on, on the world as it exists. Like the certain cities I want to visit and I'm told they're flooded right now. So I'll have to hold back on visiting those spaces. So I'll just do the other stuff and maybe even finally take that trip to Seoul, South Korea, the home of most animation being made across the globe and see the places where LaShawn Thomas was constantly telling us that he was going to be around and make cannon busters. Matter of fact, shout out to LaShawn Thomas. I hope to get the chance to actually reconnect with this guy. We used to speak most on Facebook initially when he was still working on um, Ben 10 and uh, Avatar, the last the, the last Airbender or Legend of Korra. I know that was like a pseudo name drop and I apologize for trying to come off like that, but hey, it is what it is. I, I, I tend to know some people and I don't want to put it in people's faces when I do it, but hey, just bear with me. This is me. <laughs> it's, it's just me. It's your boy. I'm just telling you what's, what's been happening. And another thing I noticed was it started being pop, put in my face again and I it got cringeworthy very, very quickly. And the thing is, I was debating this one thing that's been at the fore whenever I get to start looking at things in perspective of successes and fails. And one of my biggest successes has been my ability to actually bring myself back from the brink of destruction, not only in the personal sense when I had my meltdowns uh, last year, but also still on the personal sense in 2012 when I re-envisioned myself, reinvigorated myself, recreated myself and returned to 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 be on message with what i want to do with myself and every so often the things that keep on popping up are three the three things that keep on popping up that deny me access to certain things and i never fight these three things because whenever these three things get brought up i'm the first guy to say then i don't have to be here i'll be on my way the first thing that always comes up is my age this year, I turned 35. I do not regret it. I don't apologize for it. I enjoy the fact that I've actually made it to this period in my life. When I got to 30, I was the happiest kid alive. And the fact that I shared that moment with my best friends and my closest of, of people and the people who in these last five years have been the backbone of making sure everything stays okay because we stand, we, we take care of each other. 
they were the last people I saw last year and the first people I saw this year. We were in the same house when all these things were happening on the first weekend of that of that year. And the thing I loved about these people was everything about them betters me because they are also older than me. And because they're older than me, they've gone through things differently. Like some of them have gone through high levels of anxiety and they've dealt with it. They've gone through therapy to deal with that. They've, they've gone through all these journeys. I've personally never been in a therapist's room. The closest thing to a therapist's room I've sat in is my uh, like social ethics teacher who was basically supposed to act as the peer counselor in the school. That's the last time. And I only was there because I was in the last five in, in, in the grade that year. And she was the first person to tell me, like, you sound way more intelligent than the grades that you create. And I tell her, yep, sometimes cramming people's written material and chemistry is impossible. But the way I speak is because of how I've been able to exist. And number two, the one thing, the second thing that's been always brought up that has always stood in the way of my path is what actually informs number three. Because number two and three go hand in hand. Um, my take on love my take on relationship and then number three is my relationship with my work now when I got to be curious enough to want to create the kind of work I created I was 17 years old and I've kept on following the same path and dream since I was 17 so this is about to be I think a good number of years since then that I've stayed the course and it's been rewarding every step of the way. I was having a conversation with a certain lady yesterday and one thing that came out very, very clearly is I work a lot and it's been the cause for a lot of failed attempts at relationships and a lot of failed relationships because I do not compromise when it comes to my work. Like, I'll put it this way. I will blue ball myself if my work is on the line and I'll justify it in that there's a time I compromised and I decided to take the time out and not work and even when I got there because I was distracted by the work I didn't do nothing so I may as well have not left if I'm in a position of the work where I can say, okay, I can leave now and then I come back later and continue, hand over fist, I'm out the door. But if I can't justify it to myself, I'm not going anywhere. And my work fulfills me. And once it fulfills me, when it comes time when I step out of that cocoon and start walking back into the world, I'm an even better person for it. Because you get to have my undivided attention. And the cool thing about my work is there's an actual deadline to what is being created and then the freedoms will be found thereafter. You can't just be all this accessibility that you wish to have. It's bad enough that we get to be online every day of the week. Think about it in the days of the uh, where there was no internet where you actually sent a letter and you hoped the letter would arrive or it wouldn't arrive. Think about those days. And then now think about this whole, in the period of so much ways of communication, we're still told we don't communicate enough. We don't pass enough to each other. And granted, physical contact is very important to a relationship. And since I'm not able to provide the physical presence as often as would be expected, I'd much rather just tap out and step away. But these two things tie into what I'm actually going to talk about in this episode, and it's my loathing 
of class lines. Throughout this, uh, these, these past couple of episodes that I've, that I've been putting on this podcast, I've been talking about the way I'm trying to improve myself and better myself. But I also, I'll always tell you this, whenever it comes to these different successes I wish to have, the one thing that constantly will stand in the way of me being able to make the next thing happen is the position in life I was born in. But all this stuff isn't something that was actually groomed into me. No, you, you knew where you belonged because it was made very clear to you as you walked through the days of life. There are certain girls you just couldn't talk to because you didn't come from that particular class, or so they claimed. But now with the digital age, I can communicate with anybody and everybody. But then again, when it finally comes clear to people that I don't come from certain classes, they decide, okay, you're not worthy of being around. And I'm the first guy to be like, okay, cool. Clearly, this is not a space I'll be even happy for myself. So I will leave. When I heard this being mentioned in um, a documentary that actually informed a previous podcast that I did, when... The British monarchy exists and is totally empowered by the idea of class lines. The closest thing you want is approximation or proximity to the higher classes. You want to be down with the clique. You want to be with these people. You want to be around these people. You want them to invite you into their doors. You want to be with them. Even those among us who, when they get successful, the first thing they try to do is to be down with those who are that which was the aspirational goal you want to get to. And when you get there, it becomes impossible for you to even move the way you moved before because even they don't want to affiliate with you once you make it to certain numbers. And the painful thing is when you look at maybe your peers are not as ambitious as you are or they're not as open to the idea of getting to the next level as you are, it makes you start questioning like what, what different things have we been denied in our lives because class was involved and an ambition to get into higher classes was present. The first time I saw this was in the Marley documentary. A documentary was made a couple of years back talking about Bob Marley and the journey of the man's life. Peter Tosh and, and Bunny Wheeler were the most aggressively anti-establishment characters in the band. When it came time for them to be able to make it to London, go perform in London, even become recording artists in London, Bob wanted to go. Peter and Bunny didn't want to go because it would be like going to the master's house or being a part of the staff. They didn't want that because as a former British colony, they have their own take on how things are supposed to be done and they don't like what was done to them. Bob's ambition is to make it into the room and stay in the room because he knows what nothing looks like. Take it from a person who is of um, mixed race, half black, half white. And on top of that, add that to the fact that nobody wanted him around because he was half black, half white. His talent didn't count. A person like that who even made music that was made in complete way of telling a person, you may not want me in that room right now, but I'm coming through. The Mali documentary mentioned something to us. There are two songs these guys created that were actual diss tracks. Bob Mali made diss track. Diss track number one was Small Axe. Small Axe was a song made to address the different radio stations or record stores that didn't want to sell their music because they came from the poor side of Jamaica. That was what that song was about. Cornerstone was a song he made to his white family who did not want him, they didn't want a part of him, they didn't want to be even a single piece of his existence in their lives. And he ended up becoming the most important member of society. Small Axe, had, the, the hook of Small Axe is, if you're the big tree, we are the small axe ready to cut you down. That is telling a person, you may think status quo is like this, but we're going to switch that up. Cut to... Um, Cornerstone. 
The hook of the song is, the stone that the builder refused will always be the head cornerstone. And he proved that. In the documentary, his half-sister actually says, he, it, it's a fact. Nobody knows any other Mali but him. He won the war. And I think about that and it kind of better informs my whole idea. Like previously I made an episode talking about Caesar, how he wasn't wanted in the circle, but he ended up becoming the controller of what the circle was. Another individual who comes into mind when it comes to this whole idea is someone I'm going to touch on because his it just fits in that to better understand what this aristocracy is failing at is realizing that we can't take it anymore. The bigger the gap between classes grows, the more resentment is born in a people of what the higher classes are and what they have. None, nowhere else is that more apparent than in third world countries. And only third world because of economic status that has been created and maintained because it better serves the aristocracy or the ambitious aristocracy of our nation to keep us under the boot. And if they can't keep us under the boot, they'll keep us so disenfranchised and so disoriented that we can't fight back. And by fighting back, as I don't, I don't mean getting up and picking up a pitchfork or something like that. No, fighting back can be fought in different, different ways. And this is one thing people need to realize, especially those who claim to be activists. If you want to truly fight authority, empower everybody else. I'll say that again. If you want to truly fight authority, Authority, empower everybody else. If that which is considered the middle class then becomes the aristocracy because the middle class put money in the pockets of the lower classes thereafter, then the whole money system that exists stays with the people and not with the guys at the top. The guys at the top become expendable. I've said this jokingly time and again. If government offices, um, parastatals, and bureaucratic systems in this country worked independent of anything that happens in everyday politics. Nobody would even vote. As long as the machine works, no one would care who's about to power the machine at the top. We wouldn't give a damn because I look at how we move on a daily basis. A person who goes every day to work construction is worried about that day and that day only. I treat my grind like a construction worker because I'm trying to build something. My passion is driven towards building this thing. And every time when, say, my love relationship falls apart and it's because it's brought into question the work I'm trying to do so that we're in a better position to actually have the freedoms to do whatever we want, whenever that question comes up, I won't lie, I clinch up. I clinch the hell up and I just say, okay, cool. How long have you felt this way? I'm out. I get it. I don't cause a ruckus, I don't seek a fight, I give things as straightforward as I possibly can and make them as honest as I possibly can so that we don't have to reach a point where we are questioning where our loyalties lie. It's too much work to try balance more than one thing. So I try to put as much as possible energy into one singular mission. And when that singular mission is served, nothing else matters, everything else can fall on the wayside. The lines of aristocracy, I've always wanted to be a part of what they exist as. I won't lie to you, I've always wanted to get up there. I've always wanted to be in the room. I want, I want to breathe the same air. I want to see what it's like on the other side. But then when you walk into that room and you're being given that side eye because they know that you're probably wearing that second-hand shirt and you're probably wearing that non-100% jewelry or even the 
the way you carry yourself, it just sounds so lower class and all that. And you, it's embarrassing. And if there's one thing even my siblings hate is embarrassment. My education all through my childhood coming up, it always seemed as if the universe put me in a place where I'm supposed to be prepared for active rebellion. Here's what I mean. When I went to primary school, I was in Jamuri Primary School. When we'd go for provincial school functions, kids from richer provincial schools, because there was a difference, depending on the neighborhood your public school was, you were a little different. Little bit. So, as a guy from Dagoriti, when you go sit to these provincial school events and you try to talk to a person from another school because you found them cute, they wouldn't talk to you because you come from that poor school down the, down the road. So I ended up feeling, okay, then I don't need to talk to you anyway. I'm going to stay with my clique. In that period of my childhood, when I saw that, okay, there's a bike to be ridden and I, and I don't know how to ride a bike, I, I, the whole idea of going to ask a person to ride their bike just didn't sit well with me. I don't really care. It, it wasn't that. I, mean, I hate embarrassing myself, especially in something that I'm asking somebody access, access for or access to. I hate the embarrassment that could come with that so much that... Heck, I hate the embarrassment of anything, period. So much so, I'm my own client. I make my own properties from zero. If I'm to make somebody some work and they're asking me to be their client, I have the long end of the stick. Every time. And it's born from my hatred of being lower and being told that I'm low and being lowered. And even proof of that is my first relationship. It, it came with a great degree of that. Constantly being told where you belong. And we did have a class difference. She came from a higher class than I did. I was conscious of it. She may not have been, but I was conscious of it. I knew from the jump, even though we would conduct ourselves and the information I would know. Thank God for the internet because I could find stuff out at the drop of a hat. But it always looms. In some cases, I haven't even made ventures into certain a business or uh, love relationships because I feel the person I'm with may reach a point and that veneer that they find me to be cool would fall apart and they'd want me gone because their peers think I'm worth nothing and I'm incapable of being around their circles. So as one who intends to take everything, it's probably fair to not give them a heads up. Just be cool to say, okay, totally get it. Thank you very much. I'm out. But I like earning my way through things. I said this in passing in conversation with someone and it was, I'd like to earn a relationship. And when I say, when I say that, I mean this, I want to earn the right to be free enough to have a relationship. It's a weird thing, I know. There's a Bible verse I was told about in the book of Matthew that actually says not everyone is worth marrying. So not everyone is actually mentally ready to be married. And shout out to the lady who actually gave me this quote. And when I think about that, I say, okay, then no one is actually merits a relationship. Some of us are not built for that. And knowing full well that in the state I'm in, I'm built to work. I'm going to work. And heck, I know stories of people who do not have the typical everyday life we wish to have because all we try to do I think growing up in the 1990s you worked hard to be able to have a lifestyle where you could have your kids your home to own a home I mean that doesn't really matter to a lot of people right now but my greatest success would be owning a home man 
I mean, even I'll say this, there's sometimes I've actually looked at the math I have in my pocket and I'm like, okay, I like this chick, but uh, I don't think I should put her through this. I don't think she needs to ask herself where this person is and she knows exactly where he is. He's sitting in a room drawing stuff and he's not in any way, shape or form trying to leave that room until he fully is complete with that thing so he can be undividedly focused on me. The class line is why I work so hard. And the class line is why I work so hard, so much so that I do not want to fail in beating that class line because if I fail in that, I won't be able to provide enough to be the perfect man. That's how these two things match with each other. This is how these two things come close to each other. If I can't provide, I can't be worthy of love. I said it in the episode when I was given an, an, an homage to TK Kirkland and the the, the class line is where this the root of all this. This is where it's all coming from. And to see that the fight of class lines made bands like the Beatles happen. The fight for class lines is why people like all these su- successful artists in Kenya became a thing. Opie doesn't mind me putting this in this perspective. Octopus was never lied about where he came from. And because he never learned about where he came from, seeing him become super successful and touring the world, not only as a person who, who, who runs a charitable organization to help people better themselves in life, and to be a person who came from this humble, super humble beginnings that he did, and still raised his kid and raised his siblings and made it to the position he made it to, that fight to leave one class and become a member of the next class, that's what did it. That hunger to prove that you can't stop me, that's what did it. So I'll say this, to the so-called club or aristocracy that exists, you serve a great purpose of inspiring the next move, the next chess piece. And because you serve this purpose, I'm grateful for that. You give me a goal to aim at. But if you continue to make it look as if me trying to attain that goal doesn't serve it just better fuels me. There's there's no countermeasure. I mean, squalor, I've already seen, I've seen squalor broke. I've already seen it broke. So what's the low side in this embarrassment? It's embarrassing to be poor. I've already gone through that. So what's the end game here, if not to rise? It's the best way to exist. And I find utopic existences in the fact that I'm always going to be charging forward. It's the best feeling in the world. And though class lines better serve the authority that exists, the world is changing. Our definition of authority is also changing. Because right now, that which is the Kenyan aristocracy is going through it. And it's really, really going through it. Especially if the aristocracy was created out of a crime. And by a crime, I mean the abuse of office or the abuse of power that exists. Most of the people who actually own so much property are people who swindled or hurt someone to to get that. But as the son of a man who built himself from scratch, did everything by the book, did not in any way, shape or form try to swindle anybody to get into better positions of power, as the son of such a man, I will follow the same path. By the book, by the law, we'll do it that way. I will do everything that needs to be done in a proper and due diligent way. So you have no choice but to let me up there. Because the more you push people into a position of questioning where they belong, the anger and rage to get in the room will trump that which you're saying. And that's why I wanted to put in perspective 
the situation going through the mind of a person like Donald Trump. This guy never was accepted into the clique because he was considered new money. His entire life he was always told he's not worth being in a room with certain people and of course he's going to be revolting. He's going to revolt against that and as a result of him revolting against that, he found a group of people who were outsiders worthy of breaking the status quo and they broke the status quo. But then when he got in there, the rules change. You have people around you who want to be down with the aristocracy that exists. So the people who are the people who are the guys who are come to come in and break the status quo, they serve their purpose. Now let's stay in this room. Let's be around these cool people. Let's be around the clique. They want to be able to hang out with people who have previously served in such offices. That's where this comes in. That's where these crazy things lie. Consider that. Especially the, those who are preparing for the vote that's happening this year in the United States. I'd like you to really think about this person in the perspective of a person whose ideals of low self-esteem because he was told he wasn't cool enough to be in a certain space. And now you're trying to take him out based upon your dislike of him. This doesn't scare such a person. If anything, it makes them double down. Just my thoughts. Say it with me. Be Caesar or be nothing at all. Didn't expect this episode to be as long as it is, but here we are. Thanks for continuing to support the podcast and also taking the time to listen to everything I have to say. And please draw your own conclusions. These are just simply thoughts that have led me to the path I'm in, and I'm sure they'll, I'll change my mind as time goes by. Till next time. Oh no.